0: 2. Am I hot? Am I on? Yes, 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 ah, yes, check 1, 2, hot mic, Psalm chapter 2. While you're flipping there, let me pray for us. Father God, I do pray that you would help me now. I sense my own inadequacy to be faithful, so I pray that you would stand me up by your grace, by your mercy, by your kindness, and Father, we do pray that you would rest upon this congregation now. We are beggars indeed. Our hands are out. Fill us up and show us the beauty of your Son the Lord Jesus Christ, that we may fear Him, that we may stand in awe of Him, that we may rejoice in Him as we ought. We pray these things in Christ's name. Amen. Psalm chapter 2, verse 11. The idea, uh, this is a a verse about fear of the Lord and joy in the Lord, and, and the idea of preaching those topics reminds me of my inadequacy as I just prayed. And that, ironically, aggravates my sinful tendency to fear man. Standing up here right now in that sinful fear is not a decision that I make. It's not even something that I think I have control over. I don't get up here in front of you and just think about it and decide, yes, this is a time to be afraid. It doesn't work that way. It happens because I'm responding to what is in front of me. That's how emotions work. It's how God made us, and it's important to understand, especially as we ponder our way through Psalm 2, 11, which is a command for an emotional response to our God. So that's where we're going. And uh, with that, let's just read Psalm 2, just verse 11 together. Serve the Lord with fear and rejoice with trembling. So we're going to ask and try to answer as best we can for questions as we seek to better obey Psalm 211. Uh, the first question is, what is fear of the Lord? What is fear of the Lord? I think this is a very important question. Um, in my own private time, it can be a difficult thing to think through and articulate but it's all over the Bible. It's even commanded in the New Testament that Christians must fear the Lord. If you are a Christian, you must fear him. They are inseparable. So as Christians, we need to get this right. We need to get this right. Now, Peter tells us to work out our salvation. Not Peter. Paul tells the Corinthians to work out our salvation. Nope the Ephesians, to work out our salvation with fear and troubling. I should have that in a note somewhere. And, uh, you know, we, we are commanded in elsewhere in the New Testament to fear God as Christians, as the one who can judge people, to destroy the body and the soul. If you're, Why does God warn Christians to fear God as judge because we, you know, we can continue to sin, and if anybody is captive to sin, unrepentant sin, if anyone makes a practice of sin, whether they confess Christ or not, that is a very real danger. It's a real danger. But what about the Christian who is just plugging along faithfully in the Christian life? What does fear of God look like for a faithful Christian, somebody who is particularly, uh, you know, um, faithful in obedience to God, serving Christ, a faithful member to the ch- of the church, does that person fear God? Should that person fear God? I think the answer is yes. We all need to fear God. Now, it's true that for that Christian, Paul says there is no condemnation for those who are in Christ Jesus. He also tells the Thessalonians that we are not destined for wrath, but to obtain salvation through our Lord Jesus Christ. So a faithful Christian is someone who's not afraid of God's coming judgment and wrath because Jesus paid for that in full on the cross in our place. So what is Christian fear of God then? Hebrews 12 28, 29 gives a good description. The author of Hebrews says, Let us offer to God acceptable worship with reverence and awe, for our God is a consuming fire. Reverence is a good description of Christian fear of God. It is a feeling of awe that is born out of a deep respect for Him. And so this fear is a new covenant blessing. It is not a curse. It's a blessing because it's an experience that makes us run to God, awe and respect, not from God, but to him. And it also means that we don't approach God with a cavalier attitude. Scripture always connects fear of God with humility and lowliness. And so when the lowly and humble person appears before the creator of the universe, it is not with a cavalier attitude or a proud heart. You would be deadly wrong as God's creature that think that you could appear before him apart from fear and trembling. And we see a good example of this in Isaiah's conversion. In Isaiah chapter 6, we see both fear of God as judge And then we see fear of God in reverence, right? What does Isaiah say in the presence of God? He says, woe is me for I am lost. That's his immediate response. The radiance of God's holiness multiplies and magnifies his own sense of doom. It's all he knows. Woe is me. I am lost. But then what happens to him over the next couple of verses? Right? Jesus heals him. And we see that initial terror melt away. And then before you know it, you see Isaiah in Scripture running to God, raising his hand. Here I am, Lord. Send me. That's what the healing power of Christ does to the Christian. It prepares them for faithful obedience to serve the Lord with fear. So that's fear. What about joy? What is Christian joy? In the second half of the verse, if you look there, we are commanded to rejoice with trembling. To rejoice is not just merely a good feeling of happiness. It is to experience great joy and delight deep in the soul, in the spirit. Rejoicing is to experience great joy and delight deep, deep in the soul. It's not in my head, it's not in my body, but it's in my soul. It is true that there are physical manifestations of joy. We smile, we laugh we cry, we can even tremble in joy. And trembling is a response to fear, rejoice with trembling, right? So that's the command, serve the the Lord with fear, rejoice with trembling, and that means joy is sandwiched in between fear, fear, joy, fear. Bookends both command, uh, It bookends this command. And so it begs the question, how do these things really go together? Do they? Do they go together? That's question number three. Do fear and joy really happen together at the same time? Oh, I think as far as the regular human experience goes, we would say no. People don't experience joy and fear at the same time. They just don't normally go together. They would be the odd couple. So it is strange to come upon it in the scriptures. It's not a normal experience in life. But in the human experience in the presence of God, they are always inseparable. And I do think that this verse should evoke the experience of God's presence in the psalmist's use of the name, the covenant name, Yahweh. This command actually says, serve Yahweh with fear, right? Lord, in all caps, Yahweh is the covenant name that God gives to Moses at a time in salvation history when he was about to do something that he hadn't done since the garden, and that was to dwell with his people, to make his presence known. And so, There are some huge New Testament blessings in this one command. Blessing one is God's presence. For us, His Spirit is indwelt in us now through new birth. And we just looked at how fear of God produces reverence and awe that produces running to Him and not from Him. And of course, joy is an obvious new covenant blessing that empowers us to rejoice always, even in our suffering. And these three blessings of reverence and God's presence and joy go together in the Christian life. Listen to how Jeremiah puts it. In Jeremiah 33, verses 8 and 9, and speaking of the new covenant, God says, I will cleanse them from all the guilt of their sin against me, and I will forgive all the guilt of their sin and rebellion against me. And this city shall be to me a name of joy a praise and a glory before all the nations of the earth who shall hear of all the good that I will do for them. They shall fear and tremble because of all the good and all the prosperity I will provide for it. So there it is. Joy, trembling, fear, all at the same time and all because of the good, that God does for us through Jesus Christ. Christ is the one who accomplishes these promises for us, and so he is the reality that brings fear and joy together that they may cohabitate. It is only something a Christian can understand and know. If you are here tonight, and you are not trusting in the blood of Christ You are looking, and you are listening, and you are saying, I don't get it. But these are new covenant blessings. They are for the Christian, and you should experience them, and you must experience them because they are commanded. Which leads us to a very important question, last question, as we close out our time. Question number four, how do I produce Christian fear and joy? How do I do it? Fear and joy are feelings. They are emotions that come deep from within the soul. And as we opened together, I briefly mentioned that feelings are not evoked by a decision. You don't decide it. So what gives? When I'm presented with someone or something I should be in awe of, I don't stop and think about it in my mind and then decide to be in awe. It doesn't work that way. So how do we go about producing obedience to this command? This is an important question. At the end of the day, in your quiet time, when you're sitting in your cozy spot, wherever that is, you've got your house robe on, your slippers on, You got your hot tea your coffee or whatever it is and you come across this command how on the spot do you produce fear and joy and awe don and i were talking about this morning do does it even occur to you that you should obey it on the spot or does it just pass you by like god is love Is the Bible being unfair in making this demand on us? That just is how it appears to me when I see a command to produce an emotional response to God, especially with a command to to produce fear and joy. Of course, it's not unfair. God is God. He is the Creator. We are His creatures. And before Yahweh... Fear and joy and trembling should be produced. So what is a Christian to do? Well, this is nothing new under the sun. I'm not the first one to come up here and ponder this and preach. Surely you've all thought about this, and and many other Christians before us have. And we're going to go to St. Augustine. He had arrived at the same question in his confessions where he drew this conclusion. St. Augustine said... Give what you command, O Lord, and command whatever you will. In other words, Augustine understood that in order to obey God's commands, God must give what he requires in order for us to do it. So when God commands us to rejoice with trembling and to serve with fear, we must turn to him for the grace enabling power to obey it. And so Christian joy, Christian fear of God is produced in us by the power of the Holy Spirit of God. Apart from His gracious aid in this work, this command is nothing more than a picture of our own depravity and helplessness. So the Holy Spirit must work in us to produce disobedience. And generally, in the world, God uses two means. One is the experience of Christ's work in this life. When you experience the new covenant blessings, when you experience the promises of God, when you're used in them, or when you receive them, or even when you're a spectator to them and you see it happening around you, the Holy Spirit goes to work in us To produce awe and fear and joy, right? We all know this. We see it. We're here together. We have those moments where we're just filled with joy when we see what the Lord is doing. But the one I really want to focus on as we close together is our personal experience of Scripture. Fear and joy. Fear and joy. They are the result of knowing the beauty of Christ. The glory of God in the face of Jesus Christ. And this primarily happens when we personally encounter Jesus in the scriptures, in our private communion with Him. The beauty of Christ is revealed to us primarily when we personally encounter Christ in the scriptures in our own private communion. The Holy Spirit works in us to illuminate the realities of Christ in our hearts when we're reading the Bible, and that leaves us in awe and filled with joy. To deprive yourself of this in the Christian life, to deprive yourself of personal communion with Christ as you read the scriptures is to make a decision to live a life in the body without a head. So, I want to close by encouraging you and exhorting you. Keep pressing into the scriptures. Keep battling to find ways to create time for it. I know that it feels at times like a mountain. And I know at times that you don't feel like you can create the time and space to commune with Christ in the scriptures I know that there are people here who feel gripped and paralyzed by their own inability to even get started. Don't give up. Keep pressing forward. You cannot fear the Lord apart from having that in your life. Running to the Lord Jesus Christ in awe and in reverence of him is not some sappy fantasy that you have in your mind it is not that it is the very the very real experience of running to him in the good book will you run christian Will you run? Let's pray. Father God, we do pray that you would help us to shed every weight that hinders us from running the race with endurance. Again, make us a Bible-reading, Bible-loving, Bible-obeying, Church, that together we may produce a fear of the Lord and a joy for Christ that honors you. In Christ's name we pray. Amen.